Hello, dear viewer and listener and people doing neither. And welcome to a Burkamp Wonderland. We are officially bringing football back to the masses. It's almost like it's 2013 again. Look at these lovely, well, look at one lovely face, one lovely llama and one little circle because um, we couldn't figure out how to get Jeff's picture up. Anyway, I'm waffling already. So my introductions, I've wrote this down. First up is Jeff Arsenal, going back-to-back -back podcast years for the first time since 2013. Football is as we uh, is all we have left now, isn't it, Jeff? Sad times that you're Dan, having to do back-to-back -back shows. Yeah, you know what, Dan? I'm so excited because we've got the band back together. <laughs> it's uh, it's 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 I've got, as as um, what is his name? Not Clarkson, the other one. Not Hammond. Who's the other bloke on top here? Oh, yeah, I know you sort of. I don't know. I don't know. The, the other one. Not good about stuff like that. I've got fizzy balls, Jeff. That's what it's giving me, fizzy balls. He's in a fast car. You get cream for that, you know, Dan. Oh, I'll tell you what, I have got boxes full of cream now that I'm the wrong side of 50. I'm closer to 100 than I am to when the day I was born. Isn't that sad? I think the two that you're going to introduce, I think that may, they may be a little bit older than you, Dan. FK's not. It's not even. <laughs> don't give it away. They don't know FK's here yet. Anyway, right. Next up. The man who will cleanse you of all your football-based sins for the bargain price of a box of 24 Ferrero Rochers. It's the right Reverend Raj Patel. How are you doing, Your Holiness? I, I'm, I'm all right, actually. Two years uh, retired, sat in my hammock for two years, and then you kind of send me a text message, message saying the thing has been brought back into the club. So I'm back on the pod, and then like, you were lying. So there you go. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm here, going to look forward to it, see uh, how this evening goes before I commit to anything else in the future. Well, all the wonderful listeners will be glad that they have got a, a little bit of Raj in their life. And uh, yeah, what are you eating and what are you drinking? That's all anyone wants to know. Well, since the lockdown started, I'm drinking wine again. Uh, but I've still got the, the uh, Ferrero Rochers next to my side, so... Uh, you, you should probably hear me choke on one, at least one of those at some point this evening. As soon as Jeff, as soon as, as soon as Jeff starts waffling, that, that's when I'll start choking. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Excellent. it's good to it's good to good to be with Jeff. And um, uh, have you introduced the other guests yet? Or? No, no one knows. No one knows he's here. And uh, okay. dear and the other guests as well. So Raj and Jeff turned on their cameras, and us four had a lovely little chat, which is why we're twenty three minutes late because we're catching up. It's like old times. And finally, to complete my holy trinity of legendary Arsenal podcasters, it's the founder and CEO of the Arsenal Latte Firm, the man who Wenger rings when he needs a bedtime story. It's FK. How is life at the top, FK? I wouldn't know. You have to ask someone at the top. But it is good to be back. It's so nice to hear everybody's voices and to see your beautiful faces. Um, so, yeah, it's really good to be back. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Yeah. It's... <laughs> what are you laughing at? Just <laughs> you. They're, they're, I think they're laughing at us. Absolutely yeah. legendary. Only a little giggle at us. Right, I'm just going to go and do a little tweet, let everybody know of all the places we are live on. There we go. Right, this is going to be a quick no from everybody, but anybody want to talk about the Rapid Vienna game? Uh, we, 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 we were very poor, wasn't we? We, we stumbled across the line, didn't we? We got oh. across it, and the only difference between the two teams was that we had the extra quality on the bench. Um, but then you could talk about Sunday in the same way <laughs> if, you, if you if you wanted to. But it was all right. It was, it was, you know, three points. You know, I, I, it's, it's a different Reverend Raj these days. 
I'm a lot more relaxed about things and uh, don't get wound, wound up too much. So the way I see it, there's a win. It wasn't a great win. But, you know, we got Aubameyang off the bench, scored the winner. Uh, I thought Partey looked very good. You know, exuded a bit of presence and composure in central midfield. Um, and looking at him and his predecessors, I think we've been a bit hasty with his predecessors about how, you know, saying that they, that they were brilliant and all that kind of stuff. But with him, he does look a class apart. So very excited about him. So that's all I can say about that game. I think, that, I think that um, Partey was the was, was the one-man show, wasn't he, on the night? Um, he looks know, good, doesn't he? Him. He does. He does indeed. And uh, but uh, a performance was shocking, wasn't it? I, I just couldn't believe it. It was absolute. Maybe the worst performance of the season so far. Worst performance I've seen for for a long, long while. Um, and we got out of jail. Lucky, lucky they they flopped in the end, Vienna, because we, you know, we would have. Oh, it would have been very, very embarrassing. I thought we were going to do. I thought we were going to be Spursy for a little bit, knowing to make mistakes like that. But uh, lucky to get away with it. FK, what do you reckon? Horrible game. I cannot cannot stress enough how much I didn't enjoy that game. Um, I'll be honest with you, when the team was was announced, I thought we'd win it quite comfortably. And then I think the realisation of Kalasinac your left back and Bayer in a right back and uh, sorry, and uh, Suarez at right back with Enketia out wide and Lacazette up to I just everything about it just switched me off. Um it was a really boring game. We got out of jail by making those changes and I'm just glad to be done with it, to be honest. The win is a win. That's all important. I do think we paid the price, actually. I know we were talking about the Leicester game, but I think in the Leicester game, we you know we looked a bit leggy for that last sort of 2030. And I think uh, Arteta should have mixed it up a bit more. But yeah, I'm just glad it's over because it was just a horrendous game. Who else is in the group apart from Dundalk? Um, Rapid Vienna and Molly. Molder. So rapidly, the, 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 that away game then last week was probably our hardest game of the group, wasn't it? That is the only upside of the entire thing that was by far our hardest game. Although Dundalk are no mugs, they are a decent team. They're they're the best team in Ireland. I was listening to the same old Arsenal the other night, Craig, and uh, I was talking to Owen, who lives quite close to Dundalk, and he was saying they're, they're a decent team. I think the days of us turning up like the old day, but what was it back in the day we... We went and, and uh, played someone in VM and smashed them 7-1. I think those days of us smashing teams are long gone. Well, we can't lose to Dundalk, surely. We well, can't lose all-strength team, surely. Got United on we, Sunday. We lose to Dundalk. I want to put the podcast the day after. <laughs> oh, we've had a donation here. J-Rob, not only is J-Rob a member of our YouTube channel, which he pays 99p a month, I think, and gets bugger all for it, he's given us two euros. Holy crap, nice lineup. All right, chaps. It is a damn fine lineup. We've also, I didn't say hello to anybody. Oh, you'll have to forgive me. We have got Phil Macker, Luke Howard, Matt Roberts. Matt, I've got your question of our questions to do. We've got our very own Richard. We've got and some numbers. We've got uh, our troll killer, Thunder Road. Everyone behave or um, Thunder Road will be on you. We've got Archie, Julian Salamondo, who is now um, from South America because someone got his name and said it wasn't Salmon, it's Salmondo. He's, he's in our Discord. Our Discord is a very nice place to be. We have got Archie K-Man, who is in our Twitch, probably on our Facebook and in our YouTube all at the same time. Triple whammy there from K-Man. Carnage1618. I don't know what happened in 1618, but it's a wavy hand. That's always nice. Um, Sai Anvesh. It says, hello. Um, Loki 
from uh, somewhere in the PE, maybe 18s. I don't know. I always forget that. J Rob um, and is there with uh, da, da, da. ah Kaiser Soze who has changed his name. I'm not going to tell you what his real name is, but he's changed it to that. He's also on Twitch and he's also from our Discord. So hello everybody. Right. Uh, now that I've done that, Before, can I just change the subject very quickly? You change so, it if you want. What, what's happened to the pirate? Oh, yes, someone asked about the pirate because we all know that Chris the pirate is AFC Freddy, or it used to be AFC Freddy 8, because he's obsessed with his Farmers League football. He, he Three times he retweeted a video, and we all know what happens on, as our mate Giles knows, if you retweet football videos of live video stuff, you're going to get in trouble. So Giles has had 318 separate Twitter accounts because every time he does it and he gets banned, Chris did exactly the same thing, and they've taken him down for three DMCA copyright strikes. So he's tried to appeal it. That's 10,000 people. Ten years he's been on there. People, don't retweet football stuff and videos. Just retweet porn. Yeah, you can put as much porn as you want. You can. It's disgusting. That is one thing I'd ban from Twitter. You can show women putting all kinds of things in all kinds of places that makes the mind boggle. We don't need any of that on Twitter. But you retweet a, a highlight of football, you're gone. You're done. Is it just a, was it a retweet, Dan, or was did he create it? That I don't know because you retweeted something we're going to come to about the Leicester game later, and you've not had any trouble, have you? Well, I'll never get any trouble for stuff like yeah. that. I think it's where they create them, create their own clips. It could yeah. well be. It's, yeah. it's getting pathetic now. They're just being, you know, it's all this fourteen ninety five to watch a football game, and you know, just trying to squeeze pennies out of people left, right, and centre, and stopping them from. An innocent retweet and all that kind of stuff. It's just ridiculous. It's That's absolutely right. disgusting. It is a disgrace. But we'll talk about that in a, in a little while, shall we? Yeah, yeah. yeah good we'll do. I've got a little rant about that coming up. Oh, good. Right now, um, where were we? I'm saying, make sure I've got I've got three, four different browsers open here at the moment. Um, uh, we've got some people so, here. So uh, the believing Guna, who is another person who's paid for our YouTube, says, uh, "Evening, chaps." Um, what does this title mean? Ah, Proud Guna. Yes, I have named this podcast. Let's sack Arteta after 39 games to ridicule all the morons who think it's a good idea to sack our manager after 39 games. Right, should we move on to the Leicester game, gentlemen? Uh, if we have to. Jeff. Yes. yes, yes <laughs> the Leicester game. What yeah. did you think? I think we had a really, really good first half. Maybe some people won't agree with me, but I thought we was we, we, we knocking it about, you know, Quite nicely. 11 um, shots, three on target. 11 shots, three on target. Um, I just think we look really strong. Lever, uh, Leicester come down with a, a, a two blocks of one five and one four. Made it very difficult. Defended very, very deep. You know, we, we've had this from years and years back in the Wenger days when we used to destroy teams. So everyone used to come to our gaff and, and defend like that. Um, and... Quite honestly, I think they've, they've cottoned on to the, the way that Mikel Arteta now wants us to play uh, to, to be a little bit tighter. Uh, we've, we've, it, it turned out to be the best player on the pitch at the time. David Luiz knocking them deep balls in. Um, but then once when he went off, then we, we, we were struggling again for creativity. But Leicester obviously knew how we were set up, how we was going to play, and they just sat deep and and just just they were swallowing up all those, all those balls in general. Uh, we had a couple of great chances. 
uh, let's talk about the first the goal. The goal, the first, the, the, the first, I mean, our first goal, it was a goal, in my opinion. Uh, in the olden days, that wouldn't have been a goal, of course, because he would have been offside. But he wasn't infringing the goalkeeper. Uh, Ian Wright summed it up properly at half time and, and, you know, at full time. So uh, if, we, if we'd have scored that 1 0, the game would have opened up. Leicester would have to have, have, have opened up and uh, got on the attack. And then that opens it up for us. But unfortunately, we got into the second half and um, Jamie Vardy come on. We'll no doubt discuss this later on. But overall, I was so, so disappointed that we conceded. Cause, but as soon as he come on, Vardy, I did have it. I, I said straight away, I, I, I just thought we, I, I thought I was going to nick a goal from somewhere. It's just, it was the same old Arsenal from, from years ago. I thought, I thought the first half was very good. The second half was very Unai Emery. FK, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think I'd agree. I think the first half we actually played played all right. Um, you know, we, we we came out of the blocks. We were dominating play. We had a couple of chances. Had the goal disallowed, obviously, like you've just said, Jeff. And I'm I'm amazed and appalled that VAR didn't really call that. And they they called it, you know, blocking the blocking the keeper, infringing on you know on play or whatever. But it was clear Xhaka was behind Schmeichel. Um, disappointed to have not taken the lead in that first half. I think when you've got your opponents on the ropes, you have to land that killer blow, uh, especially in the Premier League, especially against a team who finished above us last season. So we didn't take those chances. I think in the second half, it was obviously um, clear that they were going to use Vardy. I think when we saw the, the Leicester City lineup before the game, it was quite difficult to guess who would play up front and what sort of, you know, structure they'd play. But when Vardy was warming up and we knew as soon as the clock was ticking down to 60, everyone could see that Vardy was going to come on, get half an hour and he was going to run rife. And at the same time, as, as, as I just said at the start of the call, I think the fact that we didn't make too many changes in Vienna um, that really caught up with us because I think that intensity, that tempo had dropped in the second half. We weren't pressing as much. We were a bit sloppy on the ball, tired legs, lack of ability, you know, just a, a avoiding creativity. Like we just, you look at the heat maps, you look at the pass maps after after that game and all of our attacks are going either, down, most of our attacks are going down the left-hand side, some down the right-hand side, but there's nothing going through the centre. So, you know, progressing the lines through the middle, disappointing. Um, Vardy was always going to get that one chance and he's a killer. You know, he's a, he's a top, top striker. And our killer's playing, you know, left wide forward. And actually, if you look at the heat map, he was more left wing back. So disappointing night all round. And, you know, I can't really add anything further to what you said, Jeff. I think it was just a game of two halves. We started well, but we faded. And second half, they had us on the ropes and they took their chance. Jeff, uh, what was the, was it the linesman who got it wrong or, the, or VAR or both? And if it um, was VAR, why are they getting it wrong? I'm not sure, you know, I think it was... Yeah, I think the VAR give it offside, didn't they? For they did. Yeah, I think. they did. Why, they, why are they getting it wrong when they've got so many angles and cameras and four know. people in the box and all that kind of stuff? So it's infuriating, Raj. It's infuriating because you, you're, you're sat there watching the game and you're thinking, you know, you've laughed at so many, so many fans having their having their teams docked goals and whatnot because of VAR and whatnot because of the technicalities. You know, they, they, they analyze everything so, so by the line, by the book. But with this, it was just a, it just seemed like it was like a 30 second review really quickly, really obvious. Yeah, Xhaka was blocking the keeper. Fuck it. Let's just disallow the goal. It's just bonkers to me, mate. So sorry. I know you asked Jeff the question, but I was I was watching it. I was livid. I was like, what, what the, how can you 
how can you disallow that? I mean, it just it changes the course of the game. Like I said, in the old days, though, Raj, it, um, it, 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 that'd have been offside, wouldn't it? That's why I was, I was at, the side, at the time, I said, no, it's, yeah. offside, it's offside, that goal. But then thinking about it and with today's rules, uh, it was a, clearly a good goal. What do you reckon? I, well, I, th- I thought it was a goal. I, th- yeah. I thought it was a goal. But then, then you kind of rely on technology like we do in cricket. Um, and they've got it seriously wrong. It doesn't happen that much in, in cricket, you know, with DRS and stuff like that. So to have people sat there with, with multiple camera angles and all the technology available to them um, and to get it that badly wrong is, is ridiculous. The consistency... Incredible. I just don't understand it. Yeah, the consistency with this far is just... Well, the, the inconsistency, we should call it, because they're not, they're not very consistent, are they, at all? You know, um, by the letter of the law, I would have thought that was a goal. Uh, you know, the same as these handballs, there's a few proper dodgy handballs where people's handballing it behind them and all that and they've given it you know uh, it's, it, it don't make any sense but we did have a couple of really good chances didn't we um, Abamyang I think he, he should have scored that header when he had a chance um, and the one I want to talk about is Lacazette and maybe we'll talk about Lacazette later on because I think he needs speaking about um, he's just wasteful Jeff it's, that's yeah, what it is and you know it's, I, I, I find it sorry go on no, just with that particular chance, though, uh, it was a great ball in from Tierney. He couldn't do much more than, than cross it. It was a great ball in. Uh, enough, had enough pace on it that all he had to do was redirect it. And I honestly think he bottled it. I think he he, he seen the lad's leg come up on the, on the right-hand side of him and he most probably closed his eyes and he he, he bottled it. He just got, he got to punch that straight into the goal, right? Just get your head on it, and it's a goal. You've got to redirect it. Where he was so close to the goal, you know, he would have scored. And I was so disappointed. But we talk about Lacazette later on. Raj, mm-hmm. what, what, go on, you carry on for a minute. I've got nothing more to add, mate. But we should I've add, um, Julian Just a couple of things, actually, very quickly. Sorry, uh, Danny. Right. I, I thought, um, I know Vardy made the difference coming on in 65th minute or wherever it was, but Sengizunda, who came on, for Leicester as well was 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 quality, and his his delivery of that of uh, that run he made for for Vardy was fantastic. Yeah. And then looking at the beginning of the game, that you know you, you see Fofano who's centre back for Leicester. He's only nineteen years old, but he was very impressive. I thought I thought when I when I saw that I thought well he'll have problems with Lacazette and Aubameyang and stuff, but he was very very comfortable. So a little bit of credit to those two players for making huge difference uh, to the game. Well, we've got to we've got to take into consideration that, in my opinion, Leicester um, they should have they should have really they should be in the Champions League at the moment. Could have had a terrible run, didn't they? The back end of last season, three hundred and sixty-one days, Jeff, in the top yeah. four last season. And yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they are a good side. They just had a little bit of a meltdown, didn't they? Um, so uh, overall, we've been beat by Liverpool, Man City, and Leicester City, three teams that I, I think you got to wipe your mouth and say they are better than us at the moment. Uh, and Rogers has got a bit bit more nous than Mikel at the moment, you know. So he had a plan, um, um, and he stuck to it. Yeah, mm. and a, right. a more, maybe a more settled team as well. So you know, uh, but we are definitely playing with the handbrake on, aren't we? And until he unleashes it and lets it go a little bit, I think we're going to struggle against teams that come and uh, do that two blocks of five and four at the back. Dan, go on, I'll, I'll cut in on you. 
That's right. Um, before we go on, Julian Salmondo, then recently renamed, has joined our YouTube. He is now an official YouTube member. He is a mushroom. He's given us he stuck 99p down your pants every every month, Jeff. So uh, we've got to be eternally grateful for that, haven't we? Beautiful. Good old Julian. Cheers, mate. Um, right. The other points that I wanted to bring up. Yeah, if you look at the goal, um, quite a few times we've we've seen screen grabs and like you were saying, FKE and um, Ian Wright described it perfectly. You've got the for people who haven't seen it. I don't know who hasn't seen it. But you've got the goalkeeper Schmeichel on his line to his left. You've got Xhaka, and the ball comes in from the right hand side. So Xhaka is about a meter away. Xhaka is social distancing himself from Schmeichel quite rightly, and he's a meter away. And the ball comes in from the right, and the linesman gives offside. And I don't think I'm not sure if the uh, the, the the, the, the referee the referee didn't go and check VAR so the linesman gives offside VAR doesn't contradict it and the line the referee doesn't go and and uh, um, check VAR and like people have been putting in the chat at no point did Schmeichel appeal against it Schmeichel just knew that he, he'd conceded a goal and there's a uh, stuff like that I mean like you were saying FK it's happening to everybody all the time but uh yeah, Jeff, I want to talk a little bit about that that video that you you pulled a carpenter and you retweeted a video. Explain to people what that video was showing with Mustafi and Gabriel. Well, when when, when um, David Luiz got injured, as soon as he'd gone off, I just thought to myself, well, if I was Brendan Rodgers now, right, the first thing I would do would put uh, Jamie Vardy on and tell him to go and just work on Mustafi's shoulder because you know exactly how he plays that Mustafi. And he, 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 he him and Chaka, they, they turn like milk. They're so slow, right? And I would have just said, just go out and stand on him. And I'm just, and he did. And he more, ever you watch, every, if you watch it back, you'll see. And he was just standing, he was always on Mustafi's side because he knows that he hasn't got the pace and he doesn't concentrate. And there was, there's always a chance he's going to give you a chance. And if you if you see that clip, you could see Gabriel, who's a lot younger than him, more or less covering, you know, pointing with his right hand and saying, "Cover that space behind me, because there's going to be a great big hole as I get pulled pulled over to the left hand side." And lo and behold, when the when when uh, the, the ball was put through, Chaka didn't track his uh, man. He let him go, and he was it was too slow. He, again, I'm one that his concentration's rubbish, right? And, and and you know the ball got crossed and it um Mustafi was like he was like 15 20 meters away from from Vardy and that's all that's he was just waiting for that to happen and he did it again about another three or four minutes later on uh he was just on his shoulder and he got put through again you might remember the late one when it hit Leno on the head it's a, it's a right late one when he's gone through again and you know it's it, that's why we with the players that we've got those type of players that that come in they're just not good enough and they I mean it cost us the game because it was a simple mistake an individual error from him where he he, he can see the ball's going to get passed through and he's trying to play a high line you can't press when there's no pressure on the ball right you've got to drop you can't press. And, you know, he's pressing and uh, Gabriel's going back and we've got very, very lopsided. And there's a great big hole in behind him. He does it all the time. He does it every single game. But he gets away with it a lot, Mustafi. You can't play with players like that. Um, he looked like he was half asleep when he came on. But if you go and look at the click, you'll see exactly what I mean. It was shocking. 
Mm, gents, I've done a tweet, um, and I've included you all in the tweet, so if you can give it a little retweet, that'd be, give it a little tickle, that'd be that. <laughs> Cheers, FK. Why have you got your hand up, FK? Um, thoughts on a World Cup winner being told what to do by a 22-year-old, and then turns out the 22-year-old was right. I mean, we know Mustafi hasn't done much training, and he maybe he thought, bloody hell, that's a bit of a run I've got to go on there. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do it in time, because he's even if he would have run, I'm not sure that he would have got there before Vardy. But to completely ignore your fellow centre-back, that's criminal, isn't it? Yeah, look, I mean, we know Mustafi's got this in his locker. Um, lapses in concentration, just generally not being a very good defender. He's capable. He has his moments of, of sort of good games. He has his performances, but every now and again, it always chucks something into the mixer where you just think, ah, Christ, he's gone a few steps back and maybe we just need to get rid as soon as possible. In terms of what was happening, I mean, you look at the, the, the shape of the team. We were on, we were on the front foot. We were trying to create something. We were desperately trying to attack. You know, like Jeff said, we had a sort of high line. Jacka was up the, up the pitch. Party was up the pitch. Mustafi was, a little staggered, he was just ahead of Gabriel. And you can see, I mean, Jeff's point about that clip, the replay, every time you watch it, it just gets worse because you can see Gabriel's got his arm out and he's, you know, turning him, get back, get back, get back, because he can read that the ball's going to be sort of dinked over the top and Mustafi's, you know, sort of leisurely jogging back. Um, I, what more can you say? I mean, look, it was a good pass to get under in. He, he, you know, broke through into the box, lovely pass to Vardy, and obviously he's finished it, but... You know, Mustafi's never catching up with Jamie Vardy, you know, even from a, from a level start. So what can you say? Really, really disappointing. Yes, he's a World Cup winner. He should know better. He's more experienced. But then I read yesterday or today, I get my days mixed up because every day feels the same now working from home. But um, Mustafi's been offered a new contract by Arsenal. So, um, you know, somewhere along the line, the managers that we've had from Wenger to Emery to Arteta, they all kind of rate him. They, they see value in him. It's something that I just don't see. Uh, I'm not sure his performances or his talent warrant a new contract, and presumably quite, you know, he'd be after a long, long-term one, and one that would include a lucrative salary plus signing on fee. And I just think the money's probably better spent elsewhere. So there are my thoughts on Mustafi. Um, you know, he's someone that I just don't think has a role to play in the team in future. I think whilst he's capable, he always has lapses in concentration and uh, concentrations and mistakes in him. And Gabriel was absolutely bang on to be barking orders at him. And the fact that he didn't follow through, he's you know he's got some explaining to do. Raji Poo, um, like FK, FK was saying that he's been offered a new contract. Kaiser Sose has put in our Twitch chat saying that he's turned the contract down. I read um, today that he's turned the contract down. He said he wants to move back to Germany with his family. Is there any coincidence that on the on the Sunday he uh, makes a clangor? On the Monday, he's offered a new contract. On the Tuesday, he says he's going back to Germany. Is is <laughs> is that just a string of coincidences? This is Arsenal. There's no coincidences whatsoever, are there? It's just hap- it happens like that. The amazing thing is, we're just listening to FK and Jeff for the last five minutes. It feels like I haven't been away for two years. We're talking about the same old stuff <laughs> from two That's years so ago. It could have just been. It just changed the names <laughs> of the players. And we're having a right old moan. I mean, I don't rate Mustafi. I think they're given a contract because it's probably cheaper to give him a contract than buy a new defender, to be quite honest. Uh, I don't think there's much money in the pot. Um, Do we need a new defender? I mean, is it just about numbers? Do we not feel that we're too centre-back heavy, i.e., you know, you'd hope that Holding and Saliba would hold down that right centre-back position. You'd hope that Gabriel and Pablo Marie, who I think a lot of people forget about, would hold down the left centre-back position with Tierney as well. And then you've got Louise, you've got 
Um, but why do you think they've, they've offered him a new contract? Why, why do you think? So, so well, I, to be honest, I was flabbergasted. But when I when I sort of tweeted about it, a lot of people were sort of saying, well, maybe it's just to secure some sort of transfer value. But my thinking on that is, here's a player who we have actively tried to offer out to clubs for the last, I would say, two seasons, two summers. No one's taken a look. Um, what makes anyone think that if we sign him down to a new contract, there would be some sort of monetary value on him? Because the cost of getting him to agree a contract, you've got a signing on fee, you've got a wage, which obviously he's going to look for some sort of you know closeness to what his current wage is, if not more. He at his age, he's probably looking for a slightly longer term deal than than maybe a you know two two or three year sort of extension. So that just doesn't sit with me that, you know, we're trying to sell him on because if you can't sell him now as he's edging towards the end of a contract, how the fuck are you going to sell him when he's got three or four years? And it's just going to be a case of hanging on to him. He just soaks up money in the squad. He soaks up a spot, you know, an overseas or whatever you call it, you know, foreign registered player spot. I just think now is the time. Let him run out his contract, bank that signing on money, bank those wages that we can finally, you know, sort of, clear off the uh, the wage budget and just put the money elsewhere. Um, I just don't see the need to keep Mustafi. Is, is, is so, my so he's doing us a favour by rejecting the contract then? I think so, yeah. I mean, I... I, 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 I well, I mean, I, I, I think, as I said yesterday, I don't know who's the more crazier party. Arsenal for offering him a deal when virtually... He just offers the club not much, at, or or Mustafi rejecting, uh, you know, a new contract to ask. I mean, who? I just it's mind, just the mind boggles. What do you think, Jeff? I just think the, the reason why he's turned it down because we only offered him fifty packets of cheddars every week, mate. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine it would have been any anywhere I'm near fine. the money. The, the money, yeah, of course. But I can't imagine it'd have, it'd have been offered anything like the money he's on at the moment. Uh, which is the reason why he's still at Arsenal Football Club and he hasn't gone to some other club because he's. Would you keep him? No, not would at you, all. No, would you no. keep him, Raj? No, I've no, I haven't rated him in ages. And Danny, would you? No, it was. Uh, I was telling someone the other day. I said, "Do you remember when Gary Neville was manager of Valencia?" Gary said recently. That, um, he didn't want Mustafi at the club. We tried getting rid of him and nobody wanted him. Then Arsenal came in and offered thirty-five million for him. They couldn't believe that anybody would pay thirty-five million pound for a bloke who's not a really good defender. Um, before we carry on, a uh, little bit of uh, housework. We have got K Man eighteen sixty-seven has again used his Amazon Prime su- substitution. That's not the right word. It's Amazon Prime subscription because you get one. You can use it every month. One person. If you don't use it, it goes in the bin. What you would do? What K Man has just done is taken two dollars fifty out of Jeff Bezos' pocket and stuffed it down FK's pants. So that's very kind of him. Cheers, K Man. And we've had a new subscriber on the Twitch, Jay Harrison Baker. I know a Harrison who uses Twitch. But his first name is Harrison, so that's not you. But anyway, thank you very much, you two. Um, yeah, it's uh, he's not a good defender, is he? I mean, sometimes he has a good game, and sometimes it's like that saying: sometimes maybe shit, sometimes maybe good. <laughs> he's uh, he's much like a Jacker, isn't he? He's uh, sometimes whenever they go out there, there's a ricket in them, is what I'm what I'm gent- I'm trying to say badly. So. Uh, yeah, what else are we going to talk about? Well, shall I go and have a look at my little list? Let's talk about this 1495 ripoff mm. fucking it. sky thing. Yeah. It's absolutely disgusting. And what's warmed my heart in the last 48 hours 
is that so many Arsenal fans, and that's thanks to the AST and obviously all the Arsenal fans who've donated their 1495s to your local Islington food bank and raised 20,000 quid, brilliant. which is brilliant. Not, because, not, not just because it's, it's helping out kids and stuff like that, which is fantastic, but it's going to piss Sky off so much. Um, and to, to take 20 grand away from Sky uh, is, 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 is brilliant. But it, it just... It's just getting worse and worse. You know, we can't go and see a game, and we're, we're not going to be able to see a game at the stadium for until next season, probably. The, the way it's looking with the events industry and stuff like that. So, right. I, th- I think we're months away from Tier Five. Uh, that's that, when, I'm t- when I talk about Tier Five, I talk about Tier Five for events. Um, and for Sky to come out and say, "Well, you know, we'll, we'll let you watch some games on your subscription, but then other games you have to you have to pay fourteen ninety five is absolutely outrageous and um it's great that it's not just uh, arsenal fans but you know fans up in manchester and liverpool doing the same thing as well and i think the more fans that do that around the country and that's a really good message to send to sky bt sport espn and, and all the others who want to try and charge fans money on top of the, their subscriptions do, 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 do we know how much um what percentage arsenal get of that 14.95 i don't do, care do, 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 do you care no, no, but it would be interesting to find out because they should give it all back. Um, so oh, it's, yeah, yeah, good point. It's, it's, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't thought they get maybe a couple of quid out of it or something. But it's, yeah, I, 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 I hope Arsenal give it back. But that's not, that's at the moment, that's not really a growing issue. The, the issue is that these TV stations can charge fans to pay, you know, pay for football, even though they've got they're paying 70, 80 quid a month already. You know, and Sky have lost so many sports the last five years anyway. They've lost the Champions League to BT Sport and the Ashes and golf and all that kind of stuff. And we're still paying the same kind of money. I suggest uh, four letters, IPTV. Yep, exactly. 60 quid a year. Absolute bargain. Yep, there you go. So I take it none of you lot have paid the 15 quid and none of you will be paying the 15 quid because I don't know anybody who has paid it. It's an absolute rip-off. I've seen a few people on Twitter have paid it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, you know. And I'm not having I'm not having a go at the fans who did pay it. It's, it's up to them. <laughs> it's, it's their right yeah, to they want pay to see- $14.95. I'm just lauding the fans who decided to give their $14.95 to the Islington charity and God bless them all. But I'm certainly yeah. not having a go at the, the fans who wanted to pay fourteen ninety five. That's their right. But I, I think I think they're being ripped off by Sky. And they're they be taken over. They're just they're so desperate to see their club play, which is fair, fair enough. Uh, and, and Sky just preying on that because they can't. And you know, on top of this exactly. situation where we're in, where you know COVID rules the world, and we can't go and actually see the players, they're they're they're, they're making it worse by charging fourteen ninety five. And there are fans out there who will pay that. Do you think that everyone would have felt better if it was only four ninety five, and you got a couple of games thrown in as well with it? Over the weekend, yeah, like, probably, probably if it'd been a fiver, then yeah. I, I I could see myself probably paying fi- a fiver for it. But exactly, yeah, me you too. know, fourteen ninety five. I mean, I, I mean, fair enough. I do pay for the boxing, but then you know, they're in, it's in America and they're massive, you know, uh, Gypsy King and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, this is just taking the piss because you're actually paying a subscription for Sky Sports, exactly. Um, and then you still you have to pay on top of that, you know, and if they. If they pick the, the the right, if they're clever, they'll, they'll have a pl- loads of Arsenal games on the on Sky Box Office. 
So um, I hope I hope that the fans who donated fourteen ninety five carry on doing that for as long as possible. That'd be good. Um, anyone else want to bring up any more points about that stuff before we move on? Dan, I'm I'm livid about it, man. I mean, I, I don't want to repeat too much of what Raj and Jeff have said, but I'm I'm so angry about it because I think it just shows how desperately the Premier League and the FA and the clubs are out of touch with just reality. You know, global pandemic. People are struggling. People are going through some very tough times, both mentally, um, you know, from a, from a financial perspective, from a family perspective, you know, jobs, life, everything is all different. And football is one of very, very few interests and hobbies that really unite um, communities and people and generations. And it's such a big hobby for, 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 for British people and for so many people across the world, right? that how can you even think about charging people a ludicrous amount of money at a time like this? It's total extortionism. It is, a, it is a monopoly situation which they are completely taking advantage of because they know that people's heartstrings will always eventually make people, you know, reluctantly purchase these games. It is encouraging people defying lockdowns and meeting locally and, you know, sharing... Uh, you know, a sort of you know PPV experience by just going to someone's house and breaking the law because you you can just imagine that that's happening, right? Um, it, it's so out of touch. And what's even more disappointing is that they've all met today or yesterday, and they've retained it at the same price. I I mean, mate, uh, I, I'm like you know, I I I would encourage all of my friends and all of you know your follow our followers, all of all of our people that we know to continue to boycott. Um, the, the pay-per-view offering to continue, as Raj has said, all the fantastic work by contributing to, to local food banks and charities. Um, you know, stream the shit out of Premier League games. Listen to the radio more, and and resist that temptation if you can. And you know, power to the fans because it, it is absolutely disgraceful, in my opinion, that we are being asked to pay so much money for the additional games. I mean. I've, I, you know, there's very few things that I feel really strongly about when it comes to football, things that really move me. And this has, uh, this has really like just gotten me, you know, sort of off my seat, as it were. Like, I'm really angry about it. And I think um, power to all the supporters groups and power to all of the fans who continue to boycott it. Because without that, you know, there was a game, Raj, I think, where they had, a, you know, fewer than a thousand viewers. And I mean, what the fuck? Sorry, it's just... What are they? I just, I'm so angry about it. I'm, I just, I can't, I can't understand it. And it's just greed, um, and it's stupidity, and it's just so short, short, you know, short-term sort of thinking. Um, and you know, the the last thing on this, I promise, when you've got such a situation, and Raj, we were talking about it before we sort of went on air, if you like, um, just how difficult it is, you know, current living situations, current work situations. I don't know about you guys, and people might laugh about this, but I use football as like a focal point in the week to help time come and go. Uh, what I mean by that is like, for example, if there's a fixture coming up in a couple of days, I just use that couple of days like to really get energised about the game, really you know, look, have something as a focal point to look forward to. I watch the game and it gives me a couple of days after that to talk about it. Like, football's such an integral part of my life, as I imagine it is as, as you know, a big part of your lives. And 
I just think you're taking that away from people who don't want to be in this situation. We'd all much rather be at stadiums. We'd all much rather be in pubs. We'd all much rather be at our mates' houses, you know, watching games together. But I just think it's such an opportunistic and and horrible thing to do. Like I'm I'm so pissed off about it. You know what rubs salt in the wounds as well, guys, is that you know if you lived outside the UK, you'll pay your normal straight uh, money to your, your service provider or whoever it is, like Sky or someone else that they got when they're abroad. You could be in Holland, France, anywhere, uh, you know, Germany, everywhere, and you can watch the game and it's for free. You're not paying any extra. And, and do you know the reason? Do you know the reason? Just sorry to chip in there, but this is something that's really important to me as well. Like, I'm very aware of overseas sort of television coverage and how you can watch all 380 Premier League games for you know five dollars a month or whatever it is. And the reason for that, the reason why they didn't want to show too much, is because they didn't. They were afraid that people wouldn't go to stadiums. Yeah. But we can't go to stadiums even if we wanted to, and yeah. that's what is bonkers about it. So even if it was just a short term thing. Next three months, take it a month at a time. You know, next next month, next three months, next six months, whatever it is, however long long the lockdown is going to be on, we will continue to televise these games for free because people need it. People need that escape from this shit that we're living in, like the lockdown, the the mental stress, the the loneliness, the you know the. Ah, sorry. Well, that's what I was worried about. I was worried about years and years ago when obviously they started streaming the live games. Um, that it would end up like the, uh, the Italian Serie A league, uh, where there was only only the only the big teams when there's the local derbies, when there's a, a full stadium or anywhere near a full stadium, all the rest of the matches, uh, where there was hardly anyone there, fifteen, ten, and fifteen thousand stuff like that. But that was the excuse then. But like you said, there is, is actually no excuse now for that because we can't go to the game anyway. So that excuse is wiped out. But not only is that excuse wiped out, they charge you fourteen ninety five to watch it if you want to watch it. You know, it's 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 crazy and, and very, it's outrageous. It's sickening. It's sickening, Jeff. It's outrageous. I mean, there's so many words to describe it, but it is absolutely disgraceful. That is the bottom line. And people should continue to boycott. You know, power to to these IPTV providers. Stream the shit out of your games every weekend, every weeknight. Listen to the radio. You know, the radio has some amazing coverage of some great stations out there and, and you know, watch all the live live sort of watch-alongs and vlogcasts that people like Ask Blog and stuff do during games. Like, support those guys uh, at this current time. It's just, it's just fucking shit, really. When you look wait, at wait, something, Were you going to say something there, Raj? Yeah, I'll just say, wait till, wait till the European Super League gets formed and everyone's oh. pissed ball then. Damn, but you we'll, look at... We'll be the Premier League. We'll, we'll probably win the Premier League then. True, but you look at the bigger picture. The FA own the England team, and they made us play it, or not us. May they made the England national team go and play a meaningless friendly against Wales, and then two more. I mean, what? It's not. I thought it was the European Championships that they've been playing in. It's not. It's the, it's like the Eurovision Song Contest for European football. Just another meaningless tournament. The first thing the FA should have done is we're pulling out of this. We're not going to risk our players going and playing three meaningless games in in European competition. And then you like some people have made some really good points here. La Yanis has said four pounds for all games for the year for all major European leagues in India. And Sai Anvesh has said. That typical big corporation tactics, they put 1495 first, and after a huge outrage, they reduced to 495 when their ultimate aim was 495 in the first place. That, that's point. the kind of thing we're dealing with. And like, like you a lot were saying, 
at first, when at the end of last season, they were saying all games, these extra games, they're going to be free. We're going to be doing that. But the, the Premier League are greedy, greedy. The FA greedy. We've got to have our... It doesn't matter that people are starving. People haven't got jobs. People are topping themselves left, right and centre because they can't deal with it. Young footballers. I mean, that young 19-year-old... Uh, he took his own life because he'd been released from Man United. These are the important things that people need to concentrate on. What the Premier League doing? Grab, grab money. We want money. We've got to try and get money out of it. Hopefully this will be the end of Premier League football and all that stuff going on. And then we'll reassess how football works because, and then like you were saying, Raj, if this goes into the European, I mean, someone put in the chat, Barcelona have already agreed to go and join this European Super League, whatever it is called. That's another step towards having uh, killing football and all these, they should be, what I'd like to see is each Premier League club go and take under their wing one League One team, one League Two team and one conference team and say, look, we're going to help support you with your players and we're going to help um, help make sure these clubs don't go under. And if I owned Arsenal, I'd say Barnett, Peterborough and, I don't know, another and a team from the conference, we're going to make sure that you don't go under. We're going to help pay your things. We're going to do games together. We're going to do all these kind of things because otherwise football as we know it is going to die and you're going to have 20 teams in the league that are making money and everyone else is going to have to go semi-professional or, or amateur, aren't they? Football, Football's dying already. I mean, the Premier League, forget the Premier League, they'll, they'll, they'll survive for decades and decades. But even because of this pandemic, you know, grassroots football's dying because not, not enough money's going down to the bottom. Um, and, and, and you know, the League One and League Two are going to struggle because there's no money getting to them. So don't be surprised when clubs start to fold, but certainly down in grassroots, and I'm talking on, 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 on a, for a lot of sports, actually, not just football, but this, this pandemic is going to change the face of sport forevermore. I'm telling you now. And then the Premier League will be, will, will be left unscathed because they've got so many billions of pounds coming in. And then they're taking this piss by adding another fourteen ninety five to it. And where's this fourteen ninety five? Even if the so a couple of a couple of our friends on chat have said that it's actually the Premier League's fault, not Sky. So fair enough. But that the sentiment remains. So I mean, what the, what you know? If the Premier League are getting a lot of this money, then what are they doing with it? You know, why aren't they Matt pushing Roberts it down? Matt Roberts has pointed out Barnet are in the conference. I forgot they got relegated two seasons ago. Yeah. Um, Kaiser Sose, who is in Sweden, says he hasn't paid a single pound extra on his subscription in Sweden. It's going to be the usual thing, isn't it? Um, Premier League fans, we get charged them. Someone put um, a tweet out recently saying how much they pay for BT, for Sky, for their season ticket and all the other stuff. It's costing them best part £3,000 a year and, and they don't even go to all the games. Oh, that's that's ridiculous. Um Oh, FK has said, uh, oh, his internet's playing up. Oh, no, I think he's back again. Uh, here he is. Is everything okay, FK? Just fine, mate. Sorry, the hey. uh, for me wasn't working, so I had to refresh and now I'm back in. Uh-huh. Well, I've missed your rants, FK, I've got to say. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have many rants, but when you do, they're, they're, yeah, they, they're oh, from the this, this is This is rant worthy, isn't it? I mean, honestly, I mean, I don't want, okay, we, we shouldn't go on about it all night, but. No, Raj, it just, sorry, man, just to set me off again, but it's just, it boils my blood because um, I'm not going to claim to be a more passionate or more or a bigger fan than anybody, right? We're all the same, but we, we crave football in this country. And my life is very different to all of you guys. And I use football, like I said, as a focal point in the week. It helps me get through the challenges that I have with my job, with my kids, with, you know, everything in life and like it's just it's such an important pastime to me as it is to all of you guys 
watching, who are who will watch, who, all of you guys on you know on this chat, I just find it, it you know sickening, man, sickening that the Premier League can use this opportunity to say, do you know what? Even though we've only had a thousand people watch one game, that's still you know if you're under a thousand pounds, let's just yeah, let's just go for it. I just, just yeah. Raj, Tony G says, Raj, you are the OGG. So good to hear you. And hi, FK. Look What's OGG? OG. I don't OGG. know. Original gargantuan gangster. <laughs> Here's a point that we should maybe talk about. Um, people are asking the title of the show. None of us want Arteta out after 39 games, just to make that clear. Carter <laughs> Stage says, why should people not want the manager out do you think Chelsea will keep Lampard if he does not perform the sales a manager are after the Europa League um Jeff what do you think to people who really do want Arteta out after 38 39 games depending on whether you include the charity shield as a game I just think they're a little bit crazy mate you've got to give him a chance you know you've got to let him you can see what he's doing I spoke last week on it about about what kind of process it is he came in and he's definitely improved us I would I will argue with anybody or debate with anybody that he has definitely improved us we've been craving for years we wanted to to have a better defense and we've we, we are we've got better defensively, right? We made a rickety other night, but that was an individual error. But we've definitely we've definitely made a, a progress defensively, and I do think he'll move through slowly but surely, letting the handbrake off a notch at a time. But at the moment, you know, we've been beat three times: uh, Liverpool, Manchester City, and Leicester City. But I've told you about that earlier on. Um, but I, I, I do worry, especially with our fan base. You know how crazy they are, and on, on Twitter and all that. Are we heading for uh, a, a, a proper meltdown? Because you know you've got the, all the stuff with Özil, you've got uh, debates about Pepe, you've got debates about William Saliba. We played a lot of money for him, and he's nowhere near the, fo- the, the first team at the moment. I don't know what's happened to Ainsley Maitland-Niles. You know we've we've paid good money to to keep him, uh, or persuade him to stay. Um, and it, what's happened to him? I don't know. He's, he's not been included in... Uh, where, where is he? Uh, you know, Aubameyang uh, at the moment. Since he's signed... So it's, it's always happens all the time. He's signs of contract. And unfortunately, he hasn't really performed, does it? And lastly, Lacazette. You know, I think we would have had a chance to sell him in the summer. And I'm looking at it now. Right? Now, I like him. I think he's a, he's a, he's a quality player. But, you know, the way... Arteta wants to set us up and the way he wants us to play. The number nine and the top three, they've got to have, they've got to be full of pace. And I'm afraid uh, Lacquer, he's, he's never had that great pace. So you've got five or six things there that we may be able to talk about. That I, I could, you know, a couple of defeats, we're going to a proper meltdown. And you've got them one, two, three, six, six people there that... Uh, we, have we got issues with those six people and how are we going to set up I mean you've got Aubameyang is, is he now ready to be a number nine do, have we got to do that because Lacazette at the moment clearly isn't fitting the bill alright he's come back and he looks he looks a little bit thinner he looks a little bit fitter but uh, apart from apart from holding the ball up um, he's, I know he's called a couple of goals and that but his overall play I think we need better as a number nine. Oli Giroud, right? We let him go and, and, and brought Lacquer in to replace him, more or less. And I don't know who's the better the player over the, over the, over the 
time that we had them both, you know? So there's a lot of things to talk about there if you want to talk about it. Or about no, is Arteta still learning the job, do you reckon? He yeah. is, of course, he's, of course he's learning the job. Yeah, that's my, what you, my theory is, just sorry, my theory is that when he was with Pep at Man City, he, he had a gentle learning curve. He was there, he had plenty of time to learn off Pep. Um, and then he got this Arsenal job maybe two years too early. I think if he'd stayed there for two more years, he'd have been a com- more complete manager when he came to us. So he, he can't turn down the Arsenal job. So he's taking right. it on. And his learning curve, rather than being a gentle curve up, is now virtually vertical. So he's got to really learn a lot more whilst managing, you know, a big club and and, 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 and all these players and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you're right. We can't just start writing managers off after 38 games. No. It, it reminds me when we used to have the big Wenger rows three, four, five years ago. And the one thing that stuck with me uh, that you said at that time, towards the end when you were starting to cave a little bit, not not completely, but you were just starting to cave a little bit, and you said, when Wenger goes, we're going to be a club that gets rid of their manager every 18 months. Yep. And we're on our second manager in two years. So yep. part of what you predicted is coming true. So I'd oh. like to stop that now. And so say, give Arteta more time. He's learning. He's making a lot of mistakes and, and he should be criticised for it. But I don't should think there should be a meltdown. I just yeah, don't he, think. I think everyone just needs to hold their breath and give him at least another year or so, even a bit longer. Which, you know, we don't want your prof- prophecy to come true. That's what I was, I was trying to say. No, I, do think, I do think he'll get a free pass until the end of the season. I said that when he signed. He'll get a free pass at the end of this season. Um... I don't I mean, think he's going. To, I don't think he's going to achieve too much this season. This season's no. going to be crazy. Yeah, no, uh, this, you know, teams are taking points of other teams that wouldn't normally take te- uh, points, um, and because a lot of players are playing with with abandon in 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 a lot of other teams because there's no crowds, there's no sixty thousand people taking the piss out of them and booing them off the pitch at half time. They just they've got no pressure of the crowds, so you're going to see all these crazy results throughout the season. Um, so I don't think, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we'll go on, we'll, we'll put on a huge run of games now and, 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 and be successful, but I think he needs longer than, um, until the end of the season. And the that's, only, that's, the, new, the, that's, the, that's the new Raj speaking now as well. The only thing that worries me about, um, his time under Pep, uh, he, you could, you can see as a blueprint there that he's trying to, he's like a little bit, he's, he's, he's copying it a little bit. The only thing that worries me is the per- he hasn't got the same personnel. At Manchester City, he had better players then than we have now. And then they purchased more, spent another 500 million or something on defenders, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> over the course of the last two years or whatever. Uh, so that's where the, that's where a problem lies. But I think you've got to give him time. You've definitely got to give him time. FK, I see you when I was talking about Lacazette. Um, I see you're nodding your head. Now, are you a fan or, or, or what? <sighs> of Lacazette. Uh, I was hoping you'd bring me in to talk about Arteta, but I'm sure I'll get around to it at some point. I've but... got a question for you after Lacazette, FK. So you answer Lacazette and then I'll give you a good question. All right, mate. Um, <laughs> Lacazette, for me, I think when we signed him, uh, I was excited because obviously we had a Bamiyang. I thought maybe this guy would come in and be awesome, frankly, because he had such rave reviews from France. He could play number nine, number 10. I think the pace of the Premier League is too fast for him. I don't think he looks as fit as he should be. 
He can't hold up the ball. He's a decent finisher. Sometimes scores goals that you don't expect him to score. Um, but is he good enough? I mean, I think there was a spell, Jeff, where he went through a 12-month period and I think he scored one or two goals away from home for the entire year's period. That's not good enough. Um, he doesn't do enough in a game for me. And I, I, I said this before the Leicester game. I wanted Aubameyang centrally, Pepe out wide. And people were like, what more do you want Lacazette to do? He scored three goals in three games. And it, yes, he has scored three goals in three games, but he's lacking in so many things. Actually, up to the point now, Jeff, where I think he's a genuine bottleneck. I think he stops anything good that we do going forward, which, as you know, is limited these days because we're just going through a bit of a transition. So for me, no, I don't want to see him be a regular. I think he needs to get fitter. I think he needs maybe a spell out where Aubameyang is the, led, the, the, the lethal sort of killer through the middle. Um, if we could sell him, if someone came in for, for him in any transfer window and offered us even as little as 25, 30 million, I'm taking that. So that's my thought. The question I was going to ask you, FK, is um, Carter has um, been putting lots of stuff in there and Carter's um, allowed to have his own opinion on it. I think the point he is making is, like the point he added on, he said uh, Chelsea sacked their manager after winning the Europa League. They also got rid of their manager after winning the league. Why can Chelsea do stuff like that? And we seem to be holding on to a manager that we held on to Emmerich for too long. Um, Arteta seems to be um, doing the same old mistake. Some people have have said that um, Arteta is doing the stuff that Wenger used to do, the late substitutions, the dodgy substitutions, sticking with players when they shouldn't be stuck with. So what's your thoughts on, on Arteta and his tactics and his influences maybe from, from Wenger and um, Guardiola and stuff like that? That's, there they go. That's an hour podcast on its own. Good luck. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, be, I'll try and be quick. But We've got a half hour. First of all, Chelsea are a different beast to Arsenal in, in many ways. So when Roman Abramovich took over the club, he implemented a culture of uh, being a sort of cutthroat environment, being in a very sort of ambitious, aggressive culture to try and catch up on the bigger clubs. And that's just been his mantra since since day dot. And I think he falls out with a lot of managers, which is why he, he gets rid of them. I think he backs them with huge finances. And there is a cost to sacking a management manager and you know his management team, which you know some clubs can just brush under the carpet Obviously, we couldn't. The other thing is that we've had a manager who was in post for 20 plus years, as, as we've all exhausted ourselves talking about when we last did our podcast two, three years ago. Um, I think we needed a fall guy, and I think we needed Unai Emery to come in, a bit like the David Moyes effect at, at, at Old Trafford, just to basically come in, make a total hash of it, and, and for us to get him out quite quick. With Arteta, I think had he not have had the links to the club as the next player, we probably would be looking at a year, two years maybe. Um, but I think given that he is ex-captain, ex-player, um, very highly thought of in the game, and we have, you know, he's the right age profile. You know, we want him for the next, ideally, you know, 5, 10, 15 years of his career. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that is slightly different. So in terms of Arteta, uh, my thoughts are that he is obviously a very intelligent guy. He does come from the Arsene Wenger school of thought. There's lots of similarities um, between the way that he sort of handles himself, the way he talks, the <clears throat> approach to, you know, uh, the, the sort of beautiful game. Um, but I would say that he's very much in a slow transition process. I think last year, you look at some of our games towards the end of Emery's era, we were conceding 20 shots a game. 20 shots 
You know, that's, that's unthinkable. So, so the first thing there, Arteta's got to basically think about, right, well, we need to sort out our structure. So he came in last season and immediately we had a game plan, we had an approach. Distances between players was better. Structurally, we were a, a, you know, a more tight team. We had the same personnel, bear that in mind. We were much more clinical going forward. Our shape was better and we scored some amazing goals. And of course, we won the cup, which I think has also heightened expectations. With regards to this summer, he went out, made some really good acquisitions. Gabriel looks an absolute monster of a centre-back. And I think you can see exactly what he was trying to do there. I think Saliba had his mother mother not passed away, uh, would probably have featured a bit more. You know, I do wonder about how the boys sort of feeling living in a country, away from home, moving, big club, mum passed away. There's lots of things going on in the young man's mind. And it's difficult to, to, to introduce yourself as a teenage defender in the Premier League, I think. So defensively, I think Arteta's done exactly the right thing. I was gutted to lose Martinez, by the way. Um, we'll talk about that another day. And I think now that the next piece of the jigsaw is the midfield. So he's gone out and bought Thomas Party. Everybody knows that we wanted to get a creative player, which is what we so desperately lack. Um, you know, Hussein Mawar was the, was the name that everybody, you know, saw us be linked with. And, you know, maybe we walked away because the, the brother and the agent was requesting too much money right at the death. But we desperately need that 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 sort of number 10. You know, you look at the, I talked about it before, you look at the heat map of the Leicester game, for example, all of our attacks going down the flanks, no progressive passes through the middle. There are various screenshots where you've got the sort of middle three in a straight line, then you've got the four three in a straight line, and there's no one connecting the lines or breaking the lines. So we are desperately seeking that, and I think that will be a massive thing for us if we can address that in January. Um, is Arteta the right man to take us forward? Time will tell, obviously. Do I want him to do well? Of course. And, you know, I think the same rule needs to apply to him as it did to Wenger and to Emery, which is that we need to only review and reflect at the end of the season and we can only judge then. And if he wins a trophy, he gets a free pass for me for the following year, like he did uh, this summer. And if he doesn't win a trophy, well, then, you know, you talk about questions. And let's my final point on Arteta, he's been bold and he's been brave and his job now is to maximise the talent that he's got in his squad. He's made his bed by alienating Genduzi, by obviously, you know, everyone knows about what's happening with Ozil. If we get to a situation in the season where we, you know, our goal difference is poor, where we're scraping for seventh, eighth place in the league, you can, own, you know, all the fingers are going to point towards those decisions. Um, alternatively, if we get to the season, if we get to the end of the season, we're, you know, challenging for top four and we're, you know, creating chance after chance in games, maybe we pick up a trophy, no one will give a shit about Genduzi or Ozil. So, you know, we've made our bed, we need to lie in it, but certainly for me, he is absolutely the right man. Great, agreed. Thank you very much. If people are wondering why I'm laughing, Raj was heavy breathing and he said it was, it was FK's voice. It's like we were in our private chat. He says his buttery smooth. He's saying all the right things. Kaiser says, well said. I think that sums up that. FK, well said. Very well done. Thank, well thank you. Thank you. Um, right, any more points before we move on to listeners' question? Oh, we've got half an hour. Um, I'll tell you what, Leno, Leno got a pass for, for, from the uh, Vienna game, didn't he? <laughs> None of us mentioned it. I had a load of things to say, but I honestly cannot be bothered with that. Was that, yeah, was that the, um, to me, to you, to me, to you with Louise? Is that a bit your Yeah, God yeah. almighty. Awful. Well, he nearly, he nearly did it again at Leicester, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, Madison was very unlucky. Uh, with, with he only reminds me when FBS talks about Martinelli. I mean, uh, yeah, I do, uh, but I do uh, Martinez. I do regret 
selling Emmy now, and I did at the time. I said it was a mistake, but anyway, what's gone's gone, isn't it? We'll have to carry on. I, I think, I think, Jeff, there the situation was that I think the club. You know this much better than I do, but the club def- desperately wanted Party and Awar. Yeah. And we were in a situation where we just had to think about selling someone we desperately didn't want to sell. And, you know, I, I think if you were to catch Arteta off the record over dinner somewhere, and he's sort of asking, you know, what the fuck was the situation with Martinez? I think you'd probably open up and tell you that we just didn't want to sell him. He had a chance to go somewhere else and be number one, but we needed the money and we cashed in. And I think we were this close to selling Maitland-Niles. And maybe that's why we bought Suarez as well, because back in the day, maybe Bayerin was valued as a, as a highly sellable asset. And, you know, God forbid, you know, the idea of Suarez at right back as a regular for the next four years terrifies me. But, you know, we were in that situation. You know, you look at the squad and there's only three or four players that we could make decent money of. And if that was for the good of the team, which party will be for the good of the team, again, hopefully if we end the season positively, then no one will remember Martinez. But Leno's got to sort his game out. He needs to stay fit. You know, he doesn't look like, Artessa doesn't look like he, he backs Renarsson because he would have probably picked him for the for, for that Vienna game. Uh, Macy, you know, whilst I like the idea of a young prospect coming through, a lot of people um, don't rate Macy at all. So, again, you know, he's, he's we've made our bed, so there's nothing you can do. We just have to back Leno and, and he's having a questionable time at the minute. You know what's frightening? The last few games, this is what I'm saying about Ainsley, Mate and Niles. Uh, he, he's... he's um, Cedric has has been in the squads and Maitland as a as a as a cover right back or the European game he played didn't he and uh, no yeah. Ainsley Maitland no so I don't know what's going on there it's be, be very very interesting to find out what's going on there's a there's some talk in the Carter has said that um, he'd like to oh the chat has maybe Carter said he'd. Uh, he agrees that Balogun over Eddie. I, th- I think Eddie has not really taken the chances of be given him. And Balogun is on the verge of leaving if he doesn't get first-team games. So Balogun needs to get some Europa League games rather than Eddie because as much as I love Eddie, and he's broken the record for the under-21s, I, I don't think, at the moment, I don't think he's good enough to be the backup to if Young and Lacazette isn't working. We do need to try something a little bit different. Um, as we've got Raj and FK on and they've not been on in a while, uh, Raj, do you want to dip your toe into the Urzel pool and give us your opinion? Uh, fuck him off. You can go. As far as I'm concerned. <laughs> What's the point? I mean, what you know, well, we don't want to cancel this contract. We've got to pay him 12 million quid. Well, we're going to pay him 12 million quid while he's still stuck here. So get rid of him. It's the weirdest thing ever watching that game last Thursday and checking your Twitter account and seeing him tweet away when he should have been playing in the middle of the pitch because... You know, people think he's quality and stuff, but obviously Arteta doesn't, and uh, nor do I, to be quite honest. I think he's a distraction now at Arsenal, and we've got to find a way of getting rid of him. You know, um, and don't be scared of cancelling his contract and losing <coughs> a bit of money, because even if you lose that money, it might be better uh, for morale for the squad to, to kind of get rid of this kind of place. I don't think him hanging around is going to help whatsoever. So, um, Jeff, what do you think? Oh, it's, just, it's just so difficult, isn't it? I, I read a great article um, yesterday about the whole situation, and it is—it's a bit grim. It is really, really grim uh, about you know about that particular subject. Uh, it's, and I don't—I don't think there's no easy way out of it for Arsenal Football Club, no matter what happens and how they react. It's going to look bad for them, but I don't, you know, me personally, I just think 
he doesn't he doesn't realise he's he's, he's He's only got a couple of years left in the game at elite level, so to speak. If we, if he's lucky, um, and he's not, he's just not playing football. He could have, he could have gone away, still collected the same money, and played somewhere else. Uh, he's obviously, he's, he's obviously doing it because he feels strongly about what he believes in, which is fine. That's, that's all well and good, but you know, if it if it affects the footballers at the club, which it is definitely affecting, is a distraction. I don't care what you say. Uh, it's definitely a distraction because it, it, it split the fan base over the whole situation and he's most probably split the dressing room over the whole situation. Um, so it, it's not good. Um, no matter what you say, he, he was advised at the time when he made the comments, uh, you know, about the relating comments, not to do that. Um, but he did go ahead with that and, he, and he's... He's caused a lot of a lot of trouble um, and cost a lot of money, one to the football club and to to, to other uh, football clubs as well. Uh, anyway, this is I don't know enough about it. I've only w- what I've read, um, but it seems true what they're saying and what has happened to him since uh, is obviously is, is stuff behind the scenes because he's definitely better than. Nelson and uh, the other two or three of the other lads. It's, it's, so there's obviously something gone on there where he, he's just not being selected. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure that he fits into Arteta's team the way he plays, but at the same time, he could do a better job than some of the players that are in the squad that are supposed to do that. So, you know, until everyone knows that the whole situation, it's very difficult, Raj, isn't it? But I think I think you're spot on. I think cancelling his contract and losing that money would probably be the best money we spend in the next twelve months. Because but he's, he's still got to be around the club, though. He can't. They can't just just rub, rub him out like that. You know, they'll, they'll get nicked for all sorts of all sorts of other well, things. So if he cancels his contract, he's still got to train at the club. Well, it's his job of work. I think. It's, 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 now, if you buy him out of his contracts, cancels his contract and pay him his last two years or however long left on his contracts. I'm sure. I'm sure. They've, I'm sure they've done that. I'm sure they've tried to do that. FK, what what do you reckon? Yeah, so someone. I think it was uh, Gunner Blog as part of an athletic piece. He wrote that Ozil's contract was designed in such a way that it's so complex that actually we it's not we can't even mutually terminate uh, um, because it would just cost us a huge amount of money. Um, there's like penalty clauses in there for us, and it's just it just becomes messy. So the biggest sign that the club could give because they don't want him to play for us is to just alienate him and leave him out, leave him out of the squad on Ozil. If I may, um, there's two ways to look at it. If you look at the player himself, pre lockdown, Jeff, like you've just basically summarized, he was in every Arsenal lineup, not even squad, every Arsenal lineup under Mikel Arteta and whether he played badly or, or well, forget that for one second. As soon as lockdown happened, he finds himself not in not in the squad, let alone the team, for any game, which is that in isolation is odd, right? You'd be sat there thinking something's, something's not right. It can't just be that he's stopped being a good footballer over a two, three-week period. Um, then you think about the things that are being sort of chucked out there as theories, right? So you talk about China. You talk about his... Backing of the uh, of the, the poor people that are being 
murdered out there and, and, and you know, brainwashed out there as part of the, uh, the camps that they've got and how Arsenal didn't comment on that. You talk about the um, pay cut that he refused to be part of because he didn't believe that the club were going to act in a moral and classy way. You talk about um, his personal life. You know, he got married. He, he's become a dad. He's become a, a father. And, you know, maybe his mindset wasn't quite there. Um, so many things that that you just think, wow, okay, um, there's something here that's happened that is clearly, obviously, um, more than just football, right? But the way that it's been handled, I mean, the club have basically alienated him. He's not in the Europa League squad. He's not in the Premier League squad. He's on the payroll. And it, and, and ultimately, there is no winner. Mesut Urza is not being taught anything. He is not learning any lessons. He is just wasting away through his own choice, through the club's choice. Arsenal, we are not battering teams week in and week out. You look at all of our heat maps after a game, there is nothing in that central number 10 position. I'm not suggesting Urza was the answer, but to not have him as part of the squad, I think is a detrimental thing. And ultimately, and my final point on this, is you have to ask yourself, is the Arsenal squad better off with Urza in it or are we better off without Ozil? And for me, from a from a purely football perspective, I think we are better off having him in the squad. And this goes back to the very first point, which you know I'm sure you guys talk to Clive uh, on on Twitter quite a lot. He talked this morning about Arteta's main job is to maximise the talent that he has, and he very openly talked about you know him not him failing at that with Meza Ozil. And I wonder if it's because he's too rigid with his non-negotiables that he talked about, which are to me to be admired. But when you've got a player like that who who I know on his day is silk and he doesn't have his days very often, but you can see that we're just not creating chances, that there is a big gap between middle three, front three. Aubameyang's getting annoyed, hasn't scored a goal since his new contract. Uh, Maitland-Niles, we just talked about, Jeff, uh, going off, uh, off piece for a second. He, he, he commented on Meza Ozil being left out of the squad, hasn't been in the squad since. Weird. Um, you know... I just find it, I, there's this something, so, it just doesn't sit right with me. And I think from a purely football perspective, I think we've made a bit of a mistake. And I think now the case is basically, we see at the end of the season, if we're hopelessly off our objectives and our targets, then questions will be asked. You know, you've got you've got someone who's won everything in the game and you build your team around him. I thought maybe Xhaka, Party, Ozil at 10. Unbelievable. That would have been so good, but clearly it's not football reasons. That's just my thoughts. Um, yeah. Sorry, Danny. I don't even know if I answered your question, Jeff. <laughs> you answered it fine. Um, a little thank you to Carter Stage, who has who spent 99p and stuff it down Raj's pants, and he is now an official ABW mushroom. And you, all these people, are going to get the keys to the ABW executive toilet on our website. I'm building it at the building it. I've made a new page, and I'm going to put all of you on there. Um, some lots of good comments. I, um, I know if you follow me on Twitter, you see that I'm always moaning, having a, a dig at people who are Ozil supporters because I just like to wind them up. For my opinion, there is nobody at the club with more skill um, and talent and ability to set people up than than Ozil. Something is wrong, like uh, like FK was saying. He played 17 out of 18 games from the 2nd of November onwards in the league. He only missed one game, which he wasn't included. And all of those games he started, quite a lot of them towards the end, he, he was coming off. Um, some people were saying in the chat that he wasn't that great. But and if you had to pick anyone of... Uh, a, a midfield people to go ahead. You, you'd pick Urzel over Xhaka every time. Now Xhaka isn't needed to do the holding midfield role and Norris Ceballos, then um, 
you would think that but, Urs would do that job. Danny, that's the point, right? 17, I didn't know the numbers, so thanks for sharing that. 17 out of 18 games, he was not only in the squad, he was in the starting lineup. Post-lockdown, he is not in the squad, nowhere to be seen for every single game. I mean, so, you know, someone has to just call it as it is. You know, it, it seems bonkers to me. There is something that has clearly gone wrong. And whether that's an Arteta decision, that's a crunky decision, that's a China decision, that's a whatever decision... You know, interestingly, China have removed Urzel from all their video games, all their social media platforms. You know, money does control a lot of things at the end of the day. And um, I actually feel for Arteta because his, his press conference pre-Leicester was outstanding. You know, when he sort of joked about Urzel's role as a social media person where he talked quite clearly about, you know, it's a football decision. We tried everything we could. Um, but it's just so obvious. How can you play 17 out of 18 games and then all of a sudden overnight be left out of every squad? I mean, it doesn't... Has that ever happened to anyone? It's China. I'm telling you. It has to be. Raj, it has to be. Huawei were a massive sponsor of ours. I need uh, that New York Times article. just posted four years ago. Yeah. Okay, I will do. But I, I just think... I mean, for any of you guys listening, right, you know, please feel free to comment, tweet me, whatever. But I can't see how a player was playing 17 out of 18. He wasn't injured. You know, it's not as if he's been, he's been training. He's, been, you know, he's even tweeted. I'm fit and ready to go for Fixture X. And then all of a sudden, he's not in any squad in any game. I look when the the NBA, yes, the NBA, they had problems with not problems. They had players saying stuff about China, and China um, um, said they were going to stop showing, stop paying, and stop showing the NBA. And um, basketball in China is absolutely huge. And the NBA caved, didn't they? They 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 gave in and did what China wanted. I love a good conspiracy theory. It's definitely China. (laughs) Right. I hope um, one day we find out. I hope one day we find out. Anyway. Well, maybe he'll write a book like Wenger and put fuck all in it about it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we won't talk about that. Uh, right, we're going to move on to questions, gentlemen. Thank you very much. We had a few other things we were going to talk about. Like we're going to talk about Lacko and Ab- Abameyang not really working at the moment um, and how we think the new players are fitting in. But we'll save that for another show. Um, right, listeners' questions, you're going to get one each. Keep them as short as possible because all you three need to go and I've not had my dinner yet. So um, we'll start with you, Jeff, from Double D Rivoli from our Twitter why did everybody think it would be a cakewalk for Arteta? These defeats are part of the game and every manager has to go through it. Do you agree? Uh, no, I don't think everyone thought it was going to be a cakewalk. It's, it's very difficult. I mean, Arsenal are a, a top six team now, mate, and we're fighting for top six as well. Uh, you've, got to, you've, got to, you've got to realise that the, the, the good old days of, of um, getting to the finals of the Champions League and like coming first or second for like three or four or five years on the trot and being in the Champions League uh, competition for 20 odd years. That, them days are gone, mate, until, until he, could, he could find a way to um, make us a little bit more reliable. But uh, no, you've got, you've got to stick with him. Yes, so uh, you're agreeing with Ravoli that why did they think it was a cakewalk? Good, right. Um, Travis from our Discord, I'll answer this one. It's more of a statement. I remember the good old days of hashtag fuck Ellis. It seems like we've lost our groove and we've let let Ellis offer the hook. Now everybody knows Ellis is probably the best of us and goodness and wholesome and handsome because Ellis is a frontline worker for the NHS. He works at uh, A&E in Norwich Hospital if you want to go there and uh, shout fuck Ellis at him. So we had hashtag fuck Ellis to make us feel better about ourselves my question is can we please bring back fuck ellis hashtag fuck ellis you'll have to ask carl about that because carl is the one who invented it personally 
Ellis is the only one who sent me a birthday card. Thank you, Ellis. Next question is going to go to you, Raj. This is from Shane oh. underscore TG from our Twitter. Should we stick to the 433 formation? Oh, my God. Oh, no. Actually, I'm not going to ask you that because you don't like those <laughs> ones. Uh, there we go. Nick, our Nick from our Discord. Why are the rule makers in football completely incompetent? Every time they tweak a rule, they make it more difficult to understand and add more grey areas. Handball was such an easy rule to understand. Is it deliberate? Yes or no? What the hell are shirt sleeve got to do with anything? I think it's 100% deliberate in a way that they have to justify their jobs, quite simply. If they're not tweaking the rules on a yearly basis, they have got a job to, to justify, and I could base that on, on the MCC and, and the laws of cricket, which keep getting tweaks for no reason at all every now and again. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, they need to justify their 100 grand wages, so they'll, they'll tweak it. They've got no empathy for the players, um, so... Some of their tweaks are outrageous, you know, so there you go. Much like the scumbags that keep redesigning Twitter and Twitch and Facebook and YouTube because they're trying to justify their wages. So if they just left it alone, they would no longer have a job. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Wise words. Right. Shane, TG for you, um, FK. Should we stick to a 4-3-3 formation for the game against Man United? And if so, if I've got I'm tooth missing. If so, who should partner Gabriel at centre-back? Because you were saying earlier we've got lots of centre-backs. I think there might be um, some mileage in. We've nearly got 11 centre-backs. Just play 11 centre-backs. <laughs> I think we can manage it. Oh, mate, that's a good question. I mean, look, for me, United have got a potent front three, right? So it's about cutting the supply to them. And I think midfield-wise, they're just totally unbalanced. You know, if they go with Fred and McTominay in the middle, which they did against Chelsea because they wanted to keep a clean sheet and be tight defensively, then we, we could be okay. But if they go for Pogba and Fernandez and their front three, I think we could be in a spot of bother. Um, do we go with a 4-3-3? I think we go with a fluid setup where we have three centre-backs. I think we'll need it. I think we'll, need, we'll go Tierney. Uh, Tierney? Tierney. Left centre-back. We go Gabriel in the middle. Louise is probably going to be unfit because he picked up a... The muscular strain, didn't he, uh, against um, Leicester? So it's unlikely that he'll be back. In which case, whoever plays right centre-back on Thursday night might get a starting spot. So it's likely to be Mustafi. I wouldn't chuck in Saliba um, as much as I think Saliba's going to be awesome. And then I think you go with sort of Bayer in right centre, uh, right sort of back, right wing back, uh, Saka left back, left wing back. Um Jacques party in the middle, and then you go with, uh, I would go with Aubameyang and Pepe. I mean, I can't please for the life of me, Mikel. I know you're watching. Don't, don't, don't pick Lacazette uh, for, for Old Trafford. Their defenders are absolute trash. And I think Aubameyang against Maguire and Lindelof will have a field day. And on Aubameyang, the reason why I want to see him play centrally is because at games like at Anfield and at games like at City, you get a sniff. And if you get Lacazette in those positions on a one-on-one, I'm, I'm having flashbacks of those one-on-ones against Allison that he had at Anfield this year. Aubameyang scoring one of those. Um, so I think at Old Trafford, that's what we've got to do. And um, I would be very comfortable in going Aubameyang and Pepe. So that's my answer. 
Jolly good. Thank you very much. Right, Jeff. Um, where are we down to now? Ah, Matt L. Roberts, who is in the chat and he's on Twitter from Twitter. Why do people underestimate the Europa League? People thought it would have been a walk in the park last week and again this week. When will people learn no game is a guaranteed three points? Palace, Leicester, Olympiacos, Watford, all games we either lost or nearly did. So why do people take the Europa League for granted? Because uh, I said earlier, we're not going to go there and smash seven or eight past teams anymore, are we? No. Um, I don't think they do, really. I just, I, I, like, I like the Europa League. It used to be brilliant. I used to like them Thursday nights at, at, at the Emirates. Honestly, I did. I, oh. I, I enjoyed them. <laughs> oh, you make me so sad now. Don't talk, don't talk about going to the games. The God. wife and I went to every single game on a Thursday night. It was you just brilliant. love football, Jeff. That's all it is. You oh, love. I used, you used to really enjoy it. But, uh, I those ten you know what it was, didn't you? It was. Mm. I, I went to my first game in a decade in September last year, and then uh, I thought, that's it. Me and Sean, we're going to start going regularly again. I've paid for my um my purple membership. Then football shut down, didn't it? It's my fault. Sorry. Yeah, You're patient sure. zero then. <laughs> came from you, not China. Oh, I know. It's disgraceful. Right. Um, so, question for Raj. Uh, uh, oh, here we go. This has worked out all right. I don't know if you know about it. Oh, Josh from Discord. Thoughts on the new Arsenal fan card thing they've launched? Do you have any thoughts on it? No, not heard of it. What is it? Oh, geez, you are not going to like this because I thought, just in case, I've gone and let me move a couple of things around. Right, this is from the Arsenal website. If you can get this done in two minutes, that would be great. Fans will earn loyalty points based on specific interactions with the club, which they can redeem for exclusive rewards and money can't buy Arsenal experiences. My Arsenal rewards will also enable members to to earn rewards by spending at several affiliated high street online brands, including club partners, which will be announced in the coming months. Club partners, retailers and other businesses will also be able to get closer to our fans by offering incentives and rewards to Arsenal members directly through the programme, adding further value to the experience of being a fan of the club. It's like a Tesco's club card. There's there's nothing wrong with that. Everyone's got loyalty cards, British Airways and American Express and all that, so they're just coming into it. So if you're a fan and you want to grab some points and put those points towards... Some points sort of, make prizes. Yeah, points make prizes. So it's a, it's it sounds fair enough to me. It's not ripping off anyone. It's your choice to, to partake. Um it's an important thing. Um FK, have you got have you got an opinion on that? Nothing really. No opinion on it whatsoever. But I um I wouldn't know how it works. Raj has probably got a good point. I mean, I think if if people want to uh, engage with the club in certain ways to see if they can get some benefits back then yeah why the bloody hell not a bit like an Arsenal club card <laughs> I'll collect British Airways points so you know of course you do you're not going to be seen dead on an easy chair are you I'll still loyal to British Airways if they <laughs> ever get back on their feet again so you know the same with Arsenal fair enough I won't ask you, Jeff, because I know you, we want to move on. Uh, Real Madrid lost their first Champions League game. They're now currently 2-1 or 2-0. They're 2-1 down to... Um, who are they playing? They are playing Borussia Mönchengladbach. I can say that with teeth missing. So you never know. Someone has put in the chat, Real Madrid could be heading to the Europa League. <laughs> oh, imagine that. And I think we've got problems. Right. Uh, next question is going to... I don't know the next question. So I'm going to go to Jeff. Um, oh no, I'm going to give you. Ah, uh, oh, oh, Richard, 
And Cactus yep. Cash from Twitter says, I've only got two more questions after this. Are you worried about Mikhail's trend of putting square pegs in round holes, e.g. William as the false nine and Nketiah as a winger? And why is Reese Nelson not getting game time? Mm, I do think he's overthinking some some of it. I do. I, I, you know, like, um, they've all played, there's a lot of them players that have, have played like, kind of out of position. Um, and I do think that they should just play them, play them in their correct positions uh, to give them a chance at least. Okay, Dave, I like the way you answer that. Very concise. I think he's learning about his players, isn't he, Jeff? He wants to try things out to see what works, what doesn't work. Um, so, yeah. Trial and error. Yeah, I don't think it's much deeper than that. And I think he, he has to, right? Because he's not, he didn't have a preseason because of sort of COVID. The end of last season finished quite quick. And obviously last season, it was just to make, make the best of what he's got. And now he wants to try new things and give players a go. And if it doesn't work out, well, hopefully the acid test is, if, if we ever see William playing another nine again, we know that Arteta's off his, off his nuts. Um, hmm. Hopefully just, you know, that's it. No more. Uh, Schwinn's question is a bit long so I'll save that for next week final question you all get a chance uh, first of all you all need to think of who your gentleman's nod is going to go to but um, Robert Morey who is in our YouTube chat says how many points do you think we will get from our next five games I'm saying that slowly so I can go and get up our Premier League fixture boom he's gone and done it like a pro our next five oh come on update is going to oh we've had uh, loads of postponements that can't be right oh I'm going to go and have a look at who scored and see if they've got them. Uh, well, that's wrong as well. I'm not sure because I know the Aston Villa game has been postponed because it was meant to be the day after the Europa League game. So, uh, Man United, how many points? I'll, I'll add it up as we go along. <laughs> Good luck with that. How many points are we going to do against Man United? I think we're going to lose. Anybody think we're going to get a draw or a win out of it? I don't know. I think we can go there and uh, we can nick something out of it. I'll be disappointed if we come over nothing. Hmm. Uh, so the next the next few games coming up, we've got Man United, we've got Leeds, and we have got Wolves and Spurs. Raj, Man United, Leeds, Wolves, Spurs. How many points do you think we're going to get? Ten. Bloody hell. You just picked a random number, or did you think that through? That's just the number of Ferrero Office I've got left, so that's a ah! ten. <laughs> there you go. Might as well. No, let's see. Uh, Man United, at least a draw. Leeds, a win. Top and Leeds will win. And well, not the other home and away doesn't matter anymore. Wolves and Spurs. Yeah, 10. Why not say 10? I'm yeah, up for I that. I'm keen. You are on a sugar high, sir. FK, points, what do you reckon? I think we'll get 10 out of 15, but we need 12 to 13 out of 15. Really oh, 40, you only mentioned 14, sir. I think so. Put it this way. United, oh, fuck, I really want to say we'll slap them. but And you know what? It's the first year I'm not going in about 15 years. And I, it could be that. It could be the fact that I'm not allowed in and we finally get a win because the only time we've won in the last 20 years, I've actually missed, the, missed, missed both of those games. So hopefully it could be that. So United, are I mean... Are you going to pay the 14.95 to watch it? <laughs> I'll find some dodgy stream, I think. Um, United is going to be... I, I, you know, I think realistically, let's go a draw United. Three points against Villa at home. So that's four. Leeds away. Four, maybe a draw. Five. Wolves at home. I think we'll win. Eight. And then Spurs away. Fucking hell, what a run. Um, <laughs> but it's something to look forward to. I remember the old days that yeah. came and you didn't swear. <laughs> Do you know what? In the old days, you would have said 15 out of 15. 
He was that much yeah, that's true. Than the old true. But look, it's two uh, two kids, a new job, a new house, and age. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I think we're probably going to get about eight. Um, <laughs> Jeff, have you, did you do yours? You did, didn't you? Yes. Mm, I, I do think we're going to drop points at two of the games. Yeah. I don't know which ones. Uh, it's still four. Look at the way Villa have been playing. You know, they've been they've been playing well, haven't they? Yeah. It wasn't surprised if they turned us over. Oh God! Martinez to save a penalty in the last minute. <laughs> yeah, Emmy Martinez pulling no. off a few worries. Don't. Don't. Well, just equalise. Thanks to the, everybody in the chat. Two two. Yeah. Mike Dean yeah. is the is the referee next Sunday. Uh, there you yeah, go. I mean, this, well, this is it, isn't it, Raj? I mean, fuck's sake, right? They've had they've, in the lot in in something like sixty one games. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has had 30 penalties or something, 32 penalties. And Arsenal have had something like 11 in that same period. And Mike Dean has given more penalties than any other ref. I mean, I'm not a betting man, better than my religion, but you can bet your life that I'll be betting on a, on a, on a penalty being awarded to United on Sunday. Simple as that. Right. Uh, have we got anybody you want to say hello to? Personally, um, I don't bugger them. Uh, Jeff doesn't. No. Raj, FK? Yes. At Redbourne CC, uh, they were one of the teams in the National Village Cup final at Lords, which I umpired uh, back in September against Colwall. They sadly lost. But they only told me they were mostly, the most of them were Arsenal fans yesterday, which was about two months too late. So hmm. if they told me on the day, there might be a few fingers going up. And if the ECB are listening, I'm only joking. But uh, yeah, a shout out to Redbourne CC at Redbourne CC is their Twitter handle, and uh, Ed Hales I think scored one of the best hundreds I've ever seen personally as an umpire. Um, so a shout out to him as well, and hope he's well. Jolly good, FK. Yeah, just um, a guy who sent me. I've been drinking out of this mug all night. It's like a hybrid sort of mug. I don't know if you guys can see that. Oh, can see. I'll include uh, this. There you go. There you go. Hey. And he's actually responsible for a lot of these posters on my wall here. Um, but yeah, Matthew J.I. Wood on Twitter. So Matthew J.I. Wood. He designs these awesome mugs and posters and stuff. So if you're at a loss for a Christmas gift this year, uh, go along to his website and he's got some really awesome stuff. Thanks, Matthew. I think we follow each other on the, the podcast Twitter account. Right. Just a, a tiny bit. Do you want to go now, Jeff? Or have you got we'll be done in two minutes? No, yeah, two minutes, fine, cool. Lovely. I think it's only right that we say thank you very much to the people that have donated recently. Unique 79, Mike Harneyman, Petito 100, Sir Alan Bastard MP, and who gave us money earlier in the stream? It doesn't keep a... Oh, can someone remind me in the chat who it was? It was... Um... It was J-Rob. There you go. I've remembered before anybody had to come and tell me. And they were all lovely people who've stuffed lots of money down our pants. And a usual thanks to our ever-growing choir of YouTube members, Nikki Wilson, J-Rob, Bill Butler, Yemi Fash, Corey, Michael Harneyman, Mike Hertz, The Believing Guna, Carter Stage, and Julian Salmondo from South America. And also our Twitch donators, Maggers, gave us 500 bits the other day, but we don't get a notification using the software. And we've had a couple of people followers on the Twitch, which is Ziggit. And today, Jay Harrison Baker. So I've got to say thank you to all you lovely people for giving us your money and just being generally fab and groovy guys. Uh, Mike says, I'm feeling uh, optimistic today. Yes. 
Right. Uh, so all it leaves for me to do now is say thank you very much to all the people in the chat box. You have all been splendid. Give yourselves all a pat on the back and have an extra uh, spoon of sugar in your drink of choice. Thank you very much to FK, you, you sexual chocolate lovely man. Where can people find you, FK? Maybe possibly after a game, possibly. On Twitter. In his <laughs> yeah, on my front room, on my sofa, on Twitter. Get involved, block me, abuse me, tweet me, do what you got to do. Uh, and when are you going to leave it another three years before you come back again? No, hopefully not, mate. Hopefully not. There was plans, wasn't there, for you to come on recently a few times, but then life got in the way and you couldn't make yeah, it. And been, one time you completely tuning, forgot. I've been tuning in and um, you've got yeah, a couple saw of you. Yeah, who are yeah, a couple of guys who are really, really good. And I've actually really enjoyed the content. So... Um, let's not leave it so long as long as people still want to hear my views. Of course I bloody do, you cheeky monkey. Right, also, uh, Reverend Raj, is everybody um, uh, forgiven for all their Arsenal-based um, uh, wrong and wrongness, wrongdoings so far? It was far? Are you... fun, actually. I wouldn't mind actually rooting out one of those old pods from years ago with um, Jeff and others and just see how... Irate I was in those days and stuff like that, but very changed. We're still mates. I haven't seen Jeff in quite a while, but nothing yeah. changes, does it, Jeff? That was great times, man. I'm telling you, wasn't it funny? You look back at it and you think back now, it's very, very funny. There was so much anger and passion in those podcasts; they were <laughs> yeah. glorious. <laughs> it was, it was indeed. They're all on. They're all on YouTube. Every single show we've ever done is on YouTube. Uh, Jeff. Yes, thank you very much for doing back to back. And you're actually joining us again. We are doing a special during the international break with Amanda, Sophie, and big Kevin Campbell is hopefully going to be there. And it's going to be ABW meets the um, Highbury squad. And you've said you put your hand up straight away and said you'd like to yeah. be on that, didn't you? Sounds, sounds good. Sounds Does. very, very is there good. Is there another international break? Oh, yeah, in a couple of weeks. Oh, fucking hell. I mean, that's just <laughs> honestly. Sorry, I've sworn about seven times today. I know. It's, it's, it's on the, the 17th, um, after Christ. the 10th of November, whenever that just, is. Just watch the IPL. It'll be the final by then. It'll be great. Mate, what Bellend plans international friendlies the FA. The FA. That's it. The FA are going to squeeze in 12 games in a week. Blood <laughs> pressure just like... <laughs> Oh, right. We better close this before FK before he explodes like some kind of Max Headroom person with a blip for her. There you go. That's one to look up for the boys and girls out there. Thank you very much to you three wonderful human beings. It's it's reminded it reminded me of my days when I wasn't as old, fat, or bearded. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dave. Right, and we will see you all again Thursday night. I'm just looking at my schedule here. It's oh, it's the game against Dundalk. It's going to be me and Owen from the Arsenal CRAIC. That's Irish Crack Podcast, and uh, we're going to be on, and we'll be celebrating us beating Dundalk forty-two nil. That is going to be a glorious time indeed. Right, everybody. Thank you very much. Good night. This has been a Burkamp Wonderland. Nanu, nanu, you cheeky monkeys. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog.